This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for what is a first episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show of 2023. Happy New Year to everybody tuning in. I hope you had a fantastic celebration last night. Arsenal provided the goods. Arsenal provided even more than the goods, I think, considering the game we were treated to yesterday. Four goals and more that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But also, it hopefully, will be a very, very interesting and, fingers crossed, successful year for Arsenal Football Club who have positioned themselves at the start of this year better than they ever have in quite some time to win something quite special. Not tempting fate in any way, shape or form. Good morning, everybody joining us in the chat box. Hope you're doing good and well. Jose, good morning to you, to Harvey, to Stephen, to Temi, Karedi, uh, Harvey, uh, Mohamed, uh, Basha, good morning to you, Mike in Perth, Amira, Melanie, Rancid Pumpkin, Franklin, uh, Manlek. Uh, we've got uh, Ian H in the chat box as well. Uh, Boise, good morning to you. Amira, Peeny Ween, uh, Melanie, Harvey. Uh, we've got Mr. SNLO. We've got uh, Vivian. We've got Odirile and plenty more of you guys as well. Uh, we also have Rancid Pumpkin joining up as a member. So thank you so much for the continued support of the channel as well. If you'd like to help support the channel and come on the show, we've got a preview show tomorrow ahead of the game against Newcastle in just a couple of days' time uh, on the 3rd of January. Uh, well, we've got our preview show tomorrow and our, our members come on the, on the preview shows to look ahead to the next game. So make sure you check out the link in the description of uh, the uh the link tree. It will give you all the information you need to be able to do that. But thank you for tuning in as always. So Arsenal picked up three massive points uh, in their win against Brighton yesterday. Uh, I was down at the Amex Stadium in what was a much tenser end than it ever 
ever needed to be. <laughs> even when you're winning by two, even three goals, Arsenal somehow know how to make you feel that little bit anxious uh, as things go on. Now, I'll be doing a dedicated show talking about the game with some guests like we did uh, after the game against West Ham at 5pm UK time today. And we're joined by some regular guests to talk about the game in greater detail. Of course, this is the Arsenal transfer show. We're going to be focusing on a lot of the Arsenal transfer side of things. Um, but we're going to do a dedicated look at Arsenal's win over Brighton later on today in its own separate podcast so don't worry, just set your alarms for 5pm UK time. We'll be getting you plenty of uh, reaction to that and more. So set your alarms and turn that notification bell on because otherwise you will indeed miss it. Now, Newcastle and Manchester City both drew, which meant that Arsenal, of course, went seven points clear at the top of the Premier League table yesterday, uh, meaning they went in seven points clear into 2023. I think that nobody really expected Damari Gray to pull off what he... Well, I say no one expected. He obviously pulled off a fantastic goal against us not so long ago, last season, in fact. Um, but to see that happen against Manchester City to cost them a couple of points at home against an Everton team that aren't being expected to do anything this season was a massive surprise. Newcastle, of course, have been on such a big run and lose... Well, not losing, but it must have felt like a loss. Drawing it home to a lead side that didn't look amazing against Man City. They offered something, I thought, but I think most of us expected both City and Newcastle to pick up the points. And if you were looking at which was the hardest game on the day, Brighton away certainly would have taken that quite easily. So a big, big boost to Arsenal. And uh, the only issue now is that Arsenal have the shortest break. We play, of course, Newcastle. Uh, Man City wait all the way through until Thursday to play Chelsea. So they've got that big break where we unfortunately don't. Now, Edu uh, was shown celebrating last night with his son, uh, chanting, we love you, Arsenal. Uh, he, of course, has got a very busy January ahead now. He, of course, needs to get that, that barbecue in order to spiritually help him through what will be a defining moment of this season and perhaps this entire year. We know about all the links to all the players and Edu is obviously the man in charge to get this done. Uh, it's great to see Mikhailo Mudrik, by the way, or Mahalo Mudrik, sorry, in the chat box, who is apparently one of our members now. Hello, Mahalo. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. I'm not surprised to see you joining us. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> whoever's done that is a genius. Uh, Arsenal remain interested in Yunus Musa, according to the Mail. The American international is, of course, a former Arsenal player, having played at youth level for the club before leaving for Valencia. He went to the World Cup with the United States and started in midfield. Very highly rated player, still young, and of course has that synergy and chemistry with the players existing at Arsenal from his time playing with them. Uh, when the US played against England, of course, he was able to reunite with Saka, who he had played with at youth level. Arsenal are considering, potentially maybe, uh, a potential bid for the player, but are interested in Musa as maybe a midfield reinforcement between now and the end of the January window. AC Milan are said to be following Follerin Balogun, uh, who has uh, had an amazing season for Horns in France, uh, scoring 10 goals so far, making him the joint third highest scorer in Liga behind Neymar with what with one more and Mbappe with the three more than the former. Well, I say former, he's not former. Maybe he will be former Arsenal striker if indeed does move on in the summer transfer window. Arsenal at the moment still very much seemingly are keeping him out there on loan. Whether or not that changes and Arsenal decide to recall him and, and have that kind of added firepower between now and the end of the season, we'll have to wait and see. 
But Milan are said to be looking at potentially coming in for the player in the following summer as they look to replace their ageing strikers, Olivier Giroud, and, of course, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, now, Atletico Madrid are lining up Pablo Sarabia uh, to replace Joao Felix. This is according to Matteo Matteo, um, of course, part of Italian football media. And uh, he suggests that Pablo Sarabia is being lined up as the guy that will come in should Joao Felix move on. Arsenal, as we know, are genuinely interested in the Portuguese international. The player is available on a loan deal with a significant loan fee and Atleti want the clubs to be able to take on the full wage packet, which exceeds well over €200,000 a week. Arsenal would have to pay significantly, uh, even if they want to get a player just for six months without having any chance even of getting him on a permanent contract in the summer. That said, it still does seem to be a deal that I think a lot of us would certainly be very much open to, to get that added firepower and security in our forward line and add more goals and more assists and more firepower, as I've said already, to the team with what's left to go. But Atleti seemingly very much lining up a replacement should Joao Felix move on. Uh, Pablo Sarabia, of course, has played already in La Liga, Spanish international, formerly of Sevilla, uh, and is now playing with PSG in Ligue 1. Uh, and lastly, our headline story of the day, Arsenal are expected to make a early second bid for Madrid in January. This was reported yesterday by Simon Collings of the Evening Standards, uh, who also highlighted what I'm going to show you in a second, which I know all of you have seen already. It's hardly a surprise that Mudrick, of course, as I say, was watching along to Arsenal's game yesterday and posting to his Instagram uh, of two top coaches between De Zerbi and Arteta. Of course, he was formerly coached by De Zerbi. Is it even a surprise when Mahalo Mudrick is, of course, now joining us, it seems, in our own TGT live chats, whoever that is? Um, but Arsenal are hopefully going to be very aggressive in this deal. There were further reports suggesting that a meeting would take place between Shakhtar Donetsk um, executives on the 9th of January. However, I have a feeling that this might be a slightly misconstrued story around when uh, Shakhtar Donetsk players are meeting up for their preparations for the second half of the season to get back underway. We're still awaiting some clarity on that. Um, but Mudrik posting yesterday, I've never said a player twerk harder for a club. I don't think that Mudrik is doing right now for Arsenal. It's glorious to see. I'm enjoying every second of it. I know some people aren't the most uh, admiring of these actions. I find it quite funny. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing this saga hopefully come to an end soon but not without a few more fireworks maybe between now and maybe him holding up that Arsenal shirt on the Arsenal website this month. We can keep our fingers crossed and hope that that is what is going to happen. That completes the first half of today's show. We're going to move to the second half, of course, and your comments and questions, theories and queries in the second right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's go into the chat box and see what questions we've got being asked in there. Dovey says, uh, you mentioned that Arsenal were linked to McAllister last week on Wednesday. What do you think is a reasonable fee for him, wages and payment to Brighton after today's game? Of course, McAllister didn't play uh, against Arsenal. He was still recovering, it seems, from winning the World Cup, which is fair enough. Um, but he was only bought for, I think, seven or eight million uh, only a few years ago, three and a half, maybe two and a half, three and a half years ago. He has, of course, significantly increased in value for that. Since then, I would be looking at 40 to 50 if I was Brighton uh, to get a player as highly sought after right now after the World Cup performances as McAllister. I think he'd be a great option for Arsenal in midfield and maybe someone that we should indeed be looking at. But yeah, 40 to 50 is probably Dovey the right price tag associated with him. Um Sean says, Tom, is there a December player of the month for the Premier League? I need to see my captain win some silverware. Uh, I think there probably will be. There was one for November, despite there being only two or three games, and there was only two games in December as well. So I imagine, yes, there will probably be a December player of the month as well after the two matches. Uh, Benjamin says, Tom, were mistakes made in the summer? As 40 to 50 million would have secured Mudrick instead, we went after Neto and Louise, who weren't for sale. Now we're paying more for Mudrick and could be priced out. I mean, that's certainly one way of looking at it. I can't turn around to you and say, no, Arsenal didn't make a mistake by not signing Mudrick then. Uh, I think, of course, they weren't necessarily as convinced uh, as they are now. And we've seen a significant amount more of Mudrick during these six months since the window or five months or so since the, the window closed with the Ukrainian Premier League and the Champions League offering Mudrick a chance to showcase his abilities even more. But you could argue that, yes, it wasn't a slight error that we didn't maybe foresee this and sign him on on a much cheaper deal. Um, it was felt as though, and I, was, I remember listening to James McNicholas on the Arscast talking about how Brentford had a bid rejected and that maybe a bid of around €40 million Euros at the time might have secured Mudrick, now that, of course, has significantly risen. There is still feeling that Arsenal get a deal done and that Shakhtar will come down on their price, but it's when... Arsenal will put that bid in and if they can, of course, convince Shakhtar to sell the player for a reduced rate at least. Uh, Amira says, can we please talk more about our goal difference? Jesus hasn't scored in October, yet we're only two goals behind City and their goal machine. We ended last season with just a plus 13 goal difference. Now, having a quick look at the Premier League table, which is never a thing I would ever discourage anybody from doing. Arsenal's goal difference currently 26, Manchester City's 28. Uh, Arsenal scored 40 goals this season to Manchester City's 44 and have conceded two goals left than their title-challenging opponents. Um, Arsenal really have seen the goals spread throughout the team this season. As we know, Odegaard went clear. Did he go clear? Uh, No, I don't think he went clear. I think he's now joined with Saka still on seven goals this season. Martinelli getting his sixth uh, goal of the season as well, I believe, yesterday in the win uh, over Brighton. And obviously, we also saw we also saw another goal for Eddie Nketiah uh, getting on the score sheet. His record from starts, like when he starts games, especially in the Premier League, is 
very, very good indeed. Like there, you, despite all of our doubts, seven goals still is, is Martinelli on. So you've got, I think, all three of them are on seven goals for the season, unless I'm missing a goal out for Saka and for Odegaard, who could be... No, they are indeed on seven. So because of that, you've got three players that have scored 21 goals between them. And I know that's the same amount of goals that Erling Haaland has scored so far this campaign. You can't have everything. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that we've you've got players scoring goals throughout the sides, uh, and we've still got Jesus, who's got five himself. Uh, Gabriel scores goals. Jack has scored goals, although gone a bit quieter so far. I know Eddie's coming into the team and scoring goals too. What more could you ask for? Uh, Matt says, Tom, the Odegaard assist was fire. Uh, yes, it was. I actually had the opportunity to speak to Martin Odegaard after the game. Uh, the interview between me and him will be going out a little bit later on this evening. Um, but he was in very high spirits and was was naturally buzzing. So I, I look forward to sharing my conversation with with him, with you, uh, later on tonight. Uh, Aditya says, Happy New Year, Tom. Do you think Arteta needs to up his substitution game or is he fine? I think that what we need to up, Aditya, is the options that we have on the bench. You know, that really has limited us. I think if we had more, if we had, you know, Jesus sitting on the bench, or if we had Smith Rowe on the bench, or if we had a signing like Mudrick on the bench, I think we would have used more of them. I think that's that was the perfect game to see what Mudrick would have been able to do. You think about the goal that Martinelli scored, a fully fit Mudrick, of course, running in behind to that pass from Odegaard when we're, when Brighton is really kind of pressing and, and throwing the kitchen sink at us to try and get a goal and there's a lot more space in behind. You have a fit Mudrick to come off the bench. That's a scary prospect for Arsenal to be able to have in their Arsenal, no pun intended, um, in behind. So I think it's more to do with the, the quality on the bench. Arteta's substitutions have always been a bit in focus. I think it was fine to take off the players that we did. Of course, things did change dramatically when we brought on Tommy Asu and Tierney. Thankfully, we managed to weather that. And they should be better. You know, Tommy Asuntini should do better than they did. I wouldn't necessarily put that down to Arteta. But had we have dropped points in this game, we definitely would have been looking at those two. What you have to remember is that we've got Newcastle in two days' time now. And we had to rest two of the most athletic positions in our fullback roles. We had to give them an opportunity to rest. We had to protect Zinchenko in particular. And, you know, White is very important to what we do. But we definitely did lack some defensive security at the end of the game. And I'm glad he brought holding on. Maybe he could have brought him on a little bit earlier. But I was glad that he brought holding on in the end to kind of secure things at the back. And I was happy. By the way, uh, I don't know if it came up on the TV, but I could tell from where I was sitting in the Amex Stadium, which was right at the back of the, the side behind the dugouts. It was actually a really good position to watch the game from a tactical standpoint. Um Arteta was going crazy on the sidelines when Arsenal were trying to make the Rob Holding substitution because Anthony Taylor, who, by the way, had one of the worst, not just for Arsenal, for Brighton as well, one of the worst refereeing performances I've seen in a long, long time. Anthony Taylor, and, I, and I've seen some pretty bad ones. You know, and we've watched the World Cup with some really bad ones. So maybe I'm overestimating how long it's been since I've seen a bad refereeing display. But I thought Anthony Taylor was horrific really poor. I think he lost control of the game at one point. I think he gave yellow cards for silly reasons. There was a moment where Eddie Nketiah did something that Gabriel Jesus does a lot on dunk, I think it was. Ramsdale pumped the ball up the end of the other uh, other end of the field. And Ketia bumps into, into dunk, barely, hardly even touches him really, but puts him off balance and outstrengths dunk, which is no mean feat. And then he's through on goal because the ball bounces away from the defender and Nketi has not really got anyone around him and for some reason Antetela blew up as a foul and then 30 seconds later Nketi was then fouled 
and it wasn't given. And it was a more of a foul than what he'd done on dunk. So, yeah, it was a terrible performance from Anthony Taylor, I thought. Uh, one of the worst, as I say, refereeing performances I've seen. Um, but that ultimately didn't matter. And, and that is what we need. We need to make sure that we take these games out of the hands of the referees and win them on our own accord. And we, of course, managed to do that. Um, Nakavelli says, do you think City and Newcastle dropping points at home and us winning away shows how far this team has gone? The amount of times that we have obviously seen our rivals drop points and we've not managed to take advantage of that is so many. It's, it, I've lost count of the amount of times we've done that where Chelsea or Spurs or Man United drop points and we're, of course, vying with them. Um where they've dropped points and we've not managed to do what we needed to do uh, to get the point. So it was great to see that. It, it does show progression. It does show what's changing at this club. It does show how we are better as a team. And, and I can't wait to see that continue to improve. Uh, Temi, is Odegaard's pass to Martinelli the assist of the season? Without a doubt. You know, I love Joao Moutinho's assist for Pedence the other day for Wolves. The little outside of the boot chip over the, the defence. I love that. But Odegaard's pass is just... In the stadium, I was crying out for Martinelli to square the ball to, to Saka. I was desperate for him to pass it to Saka because I thought he's not in a position to score. And I'm very thankful that he didn't in the end and that he did score because, of course, if he had have squared it, Erdogan's pass wouldn't go down as an assist this season. Um, and it absolutely deserved to go down as something of a goal contribution. Now, looking at actually, I didn't have managed to check up on Odegaard's statistics um, as a whole. And I think that this season he's now got, yes, five assists and seven goals. He's got 12 goal contributions in 15 Premier League games. He was challenged to get double digits for goals really this season. And I said that, that was a big ask because, I mean, even Bernardo Silva didn't get into double digits for goals in Man City last season. Odegaard is probably the best midfielder in the league right now on form. You know, I think he's better than, he's playing better than De Bruyne right now. I think he's better. I'm trying to think of other teams that have got amazing midfielders. Bruno Fernandes, um, Bruno Guimaraes is up there playing very well. Um, but I think Martin Odegaard is probably the informed midfielder in the league as, at this moment in time. I can't think of another midfielder who's better than him right now. Um, and he got so much stick. So much stick, um, incredibly so, uh, when we signed him last season. There's a lot of people that have really abused and embarrassed themselves talking about Martin Odegaard, quite frankly. And I am loving every single second of seeing him do so well now. Uh, Rancid Pumpkin, the Discord link isn't working. It's probably expired. I'll put a brand new one in there for the members that have joined up after the show. Don't worry. There'll be a new one in there shortly. Um Ajay says, how much would Nketiah be worth uh, if he goes, if the continue of the goal scoring goes on? I think he, you know, I think he's obviously going to be worth upwards of 20 million easily, maybe towards 30 if he scores. Uh, if he scores consistently, you know, you're going to be looking at even more than that. He's got a long-term contract with us. He's a homegrown player and he's still 23, turning 24 in May. You know, he's going to be worth a significant amount and it will look much better on Arsenal to have renewed his contract if this form continues. It is great seeing him score. It's great seeing him really kind of silence so many doubters that there were when Nketiah came in, two goals in two games. We've now got three really important games against Newcastle, Spurs, Man United. If he can get on the score sheet in those games, we've got something to really be excited for with Eddie Nketiah. Uh, Christopher says, Tom, if we're priced out of a move for Mudrick, who would you consider as an alternative option? I would go to Brighton and say he's 50 million for Mitama because I bloody love that kid. <laughs> I think he's brilliant. I really genuinely, I think there is a star in the making 
in Meetama. Not sure how old uh, Meetama is. Have a quick check. Can't be that old. He's 25 years of age. So he's he's a four years or so older um, than Mudrik. He's actually deceptively older than I thought he was. But I think he's fantastic. You know, I really would. If we can't get Mudrik, I'd be very interested in signing Meetama. He is a fantastic player. I really think he is very good. People saying that he's too old. Um, 25 is not too old. You know, we I don't see people saying that Jesus was too old at 25, to be honest, when we signed him. I think Meetama in a better team, you know, does even more than he's done so far for Brighton. I think he's been absolutely fantastic this season so far. Should have more goals, should have more assists, but of course he's not been playing regularly. He's still only had 490 minutes of football. He's been coming off the bench, of course, for Brighton because they've been playing Trossard on the left-hand side. I think he has been really underused at Brighton. I think he's fantastic. I think he's an absolutely fantastic footballer. Uh, I love this. 25-year-old, we're doomed. It's crazy, isn't it, that you know, the, the perception of, of ages. Um, I think that you know, well, there's other players that look like Kavavat Shkelia uh, at Napoli, of course, is, is liked by a lot of people. But uh, yeah, me, I, I really would consider Mitama as a potential option for Arsenal if we aren't being able to get Mudrik. But hopefully we can go out and get Mudrik. Uh, speaking of a blue well in the chat, I mean, the blue well, I remember you being one of our biggest Arteta doubters. Has that changed now? Tell me where your head's at. I'm curious. And fair play for you showing up in the chat, box, by the way. Whenever I jump onto the Arsenal lounge, um, which, of course, is a very different audience, um, I notice, of course, that their people are disappearing. People have disappeared from chat boxes. I don't know if you've noticed this, maybe because you guys, maybe more than me, are jumping into other YouTube channels and chat boxes. Have you noticed that the people are disappearing from chat boxes that were like really abusive and hating on Arsenal and Arteta? I can't find them. So fair play to Blue Well in the chat box. Uh, Christopher says, Tom, how many of our players would you call world-class and how many are on the verge of being world-class? Great question. Let's. Why don't we go through them? Rams, though, I don't think is a world-class goalkeeper yet. I think he can be. I think Ben White has been world-class this season. I don't think there's too much debate about that. Whether you can describe him as a world-class player yet, yeah, I think he needs to do it on a consistent basis. But I think he's he's definitely, you know, showing world-class performances is Ben White. Saliba, I think, has been, you know, he's, he's a world-class defender. He had an absolute nightmare in the second half yesterday. First half, I thought he was great. Second half, I thought he had an absolute nightmare, did Saliba. But he is a world-class centre-back. There is no doubt about that in my mind. Gabriel, I think, is on... Is, is, kind of that level below world-class. He's really top, top quality. I really like Gabriel. I think he needs to become more consistent. I think he needs to eradicate some of the errors from his game. And then we can start talking maybe in his latter uh, 20s about him developing into a world-class player. Zinchenko, I think, is a world-class player. Uh, If he can stay fit, I think he's world-class. I think he's absolutely stunning at what he does. And he's perfect for that left-back inverted role that we use him for. Partey is world-class. Granite Xhaka is producing world-class performances as well. You can't be, you know, it's it's very difficult not to be excited about that. That's going to be really key for us. Um, Martin Odegaard, of course, I think is is, is producing world-class level performances as well. You've got Bakaya Saka that's world-class. You've got Gabriel Jesus that's world-class. You've got Martinelli who is verging on becoming a world-class player as well. And we've got players, of course, that aren't even getting on the pitch at the moment that are, you could say, have got potential in their future to be world-class too. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can produce with these guys. And I think that we can go forward and, and fingers crossed anyway, create a team full of players that are world-class. That has got to be the aim between now and the future of this Arsenal Football Club is producing, buying, 
developing a squad that is absolutely world class. Um, let's scroll down a little bit more. Lynn says, Tom, there, sh- there is one podcast and you would never think that this show has been an Arteta lover. The bulb has gone. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty. Um, of course, everyone's allowed to have their doubts. You know, if you've never had doubts, what? You know, it's human. It's very human to have doubts. We've had doubts. There's been times where I thought Arteta should go and I don't really see how he could continue. How glad I am. The club never indulged me in my thoughts with that. But yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny that, that you, people just kind of go off the radar, you know, <laughs> when things are going well. It is kind of funny. Um, Blue Owl responding says, of course, I've been very vocal about my stance on the manager before. I have a short fuse with the latter Wenger era and Emery era. Yes, I can understand. I think a lot of people have probably been frustrated by what happened. And, you know, I have too. Unai Emery for me was, you know, what really bugs me, you know, is when the period of time where there were people suggesting that Unai Emery was better than Arteta. You know, despite me at some points thinking maybe Arteta's time at Arsenal might be numbered, especially when we finished eighth and outside of Europe. And, you know, I really couldn't see our way back. And Emery was beating him. Any suggestions that Emery was was a better option for us than Arteta? My goodness. My goodness. I'm, I am glad that I never fell into that camp. At least, very glad indeed. Uh, Matt G, I'll, I'll tell you, one of the, the funniest lines, and you probably saw this on social media, that again now looks very silly, is the the cone the cone man. Do you remember that? Arteta's, Arteta's the guy putting out cones. I saw hundreds of people using that terminology on Arteta. How silly could you look now? Like, <laughs> it's, it's very, very funny. Uh, Data for Worlds says, question, Tom, we need to give a lot of praise to Martinelli for that goal on the 71st minute. Imagine if he scored that by Salah or Haaland. Everyone would be talking about it. Yeah, I think obviously the um, the Odegaard assist is taking a lot of of the the praise in that move. But Martinelli's run and finish was great. I still think that in, a, in you know, I still think there's part of me that thinks that he should have squared it to Saka because I think Sanchez should probably save Martinelli's shot. But um, yeah, and by the way, I don't know if it was, I, I think it was a real difference between being in the stadium and watching it on telly because I thought Martinelli was fantastic. And when I tweeted that out at half time, a lot of people felt that he wasn't having one of his best games. And I thought, Sitting in the ground, I, th- I was I was overawed by by Martinelli's display. I thought his movement, his passing, his interplay, his running off the last man, the way in which you can watch the kind of game from the whole standing back. And we were right at the back of the Amex Stadium in the kind of the press overflow area. Um, I thought Martinelli was great. And yeah, I had people saying that it wasn't one of his best games. I really liked what I saw from him. I really, really liked what I saw from him. Uh, and I very much did enjoy um, seeing Martinelli roast Lamptey on a number of occasions. There was one moment where Lamptey defended really, really well. Uh, Martinelli took a little bit too much time on the left-hand side. Lamptey over outstrength him, won the ball back. And I think it's actually those moments uh, that can define opinions on halves of players for people. Um, I remember like Gabriel making a, a mistake. Let's put it this way. If Gabriel does what Saliba does for Brighton's second goal, Gabriel would be crucified like absolutely crucified for what Saliba did now I think Saliba in the first half was great fantastic really enjoyed um what he did and for me uh I I just can't I just can't not use the line of he is still young he is gonna make mistakes 
and and ultimately that is is going to happen at his age. But he's still learning, he's still improving, and it's why he needs to stay at Arsenal most first and foremost because he's improving all the time, all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I am looking forward to seeing this young team develop, grow, improve, and get better all the time. Uh, as I said, we are going to be doing a dedicated podcast looking back at the game against Brighton a little bit later on this afternoon, 5pm UK times. Make sure you set your alarms because we will be doing it at a dedicated show uh, talking all about Arsenal's 4-2 and I'll be joined at the moment in time if they are being punctual and present and don't cancel on me in the last minute. I'll be joined by Drew. It's been a while since Drew's come on the channel so I'm looking forward to getting Drew's thoughts on things. Mike from the Gunners pod and Sophie from the Highbury squad will also be joining me uh, to have a chat about all things Arsenal and Brighton uh, in yesterday's win. We've also got a look ahead very sharpest to Newcastle, which is only two days away already. Uh, that's going to be crazy. As I said, you'll be able to listen, well, not listen, but you'll be able to read my interview with Martin Odegaard after yesterday's game out on Football London later this evening. So make sure you've turned on my Twitter notifications at Tom Canton Media. I post all of my work stuff over there. So you'll be able to get that. Uh, it was great speaking to him after the game. It was a packed mix zone. So getting the opportunity to speak and get as many questions in as I did was, was fantastic. Uh, it was great seeing Harry Simeon at the stadium yesterday. I was saying to him, I remember saying, um, isn't this mad? Like when you think about it, when you think about both me and Harry have, have done YouTube for a, a number of years talking about Arsenal and here we are, you know, sitting in the in the press lounge um, and chatting about Arsenal and then speaking after the games and going in the press conferences and speaking. It, it's, it is mad. And 2022 has been an unbelievable year that has opened up uh, so many opportunities for me hoping that 2023 is going to be even better. Uh, and I, I imagine it probably could be if this year is a special one for the club. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It's been a genuine pleasure, as it always is. And uh, yes, I will speak to you at 5pm today. Have a fantastic one. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.